welcome to a little wayward podcast coming out of St. Therese Institute of Faith and Mission. How are you doing today, Jim? I'm doing all right, Nick. And yourself? Oh, I'm doing all right. Keeping above water. Um, Good. Yeah, we're, we're recording this at a busy time in the St. Therese year, just preparing for Christmas and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, Always busy. Uh, blessed. Unique this year, given the various... Uh, unexpected eventualities, shall we say. Mm -hmm. That makes it difficult to kind of get a sense of navigating forward in these times. Yeah, I think I think it kind of defines our whole year so far mm -hmm. <laughs> of the, the inauguration of this podcast. I, I feel so, uh, sorry for our listeners who sometimes listen to maybe one or two in a row, and it's probably, we've mentioned these uncertain times more than once. Well, I think a lot of people are mentioning uncertain times. <laughs> over and over and yeah. over. Um, but one thing that uh, uncertain times, as well as just general life, kind of uh, inaugurates or commences in our life is um, a funny little word called discernment. Discernment, yeah. So um, recently you've been talking a lot about discernment, right? To the first and second and third years, right? Uh, absolutely, to the students. Well, as we head into the Christmas recess, it's, uh, very, it's the practical tools of it. It's, it's a necessity as, as the students are beginning to, to look ahead. Uh, over Christmas break, connecting with family again, the great question that looms large on the, on the horizon is, so what's next? <laughs> what are you thinking of? And of course, the mind turning towards summer jobs um, options for next year. Uh, for many of those students, it'll be, you know, do I come back to St. Therese? Uh, university deadlines approaching as well. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, discernment is an important thing. Uh, we try to equip the students. We have uh, the third trimester at St. Therese is focused on discernment and mission, and we have uh, a bit more uh, deeply integrated and, um, um, uh, and whole, whole approach to, to getting into the discernment principles. But it's important to equip the students with some tools so they can start tackling these, these questions. And discernment's a hard one. We talk a lot about discernment, but how to discern and how to approach those things, that's hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, discernment on the ground is always uh, a tricky one, but it's one that's actually pretty necessary for life. We're always discerning something. Mm -hmm. So and Sadly, uh, a lot of discernment uh, can tend to, to more closely resemble indecision. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I knew a seminarian one time who said, uh, I hate the word discernment. I'm like, oh, why is that? He's like, because so many people sweep so many things under the rug for discernment. Yeah, um, developing, a, you know, developing a devotion to Our Lady of Perpetual Discernment. Yeah, exactly. It's not a healthy devotion to no, have. No, not at all. <laughs> so in light of that, um, uh, what we do at this time of year is we give three core teachings to the students on discernment. And uh, we thought that that would actually make... Um, three good podcasts. Yeah, so yeah. I figure that, that uh, this podcast will be the first of three episodes. Mm -hmm. And um, today we'll be reflecting on uh, a primer for discernment, like kind of the, the preamble to it. And uh, we'll be reflecting on many points actually raised by um, Dr. Robert Stackpole mm -hmm. um, in an article he wrote, which was called Finding the Right Path. Dr. Stackpole was the past assistant director here at St. Therese Institute. So yeah. you know him quite well. He, yeah. was, he was before my time. Yeah, yeah. Robert was here for uh, for a few years, so he was very much involved in working with the students and helping to uh, to cultivate these these basic attitudes uh, that are helpful when it comes time to make a decision a decision and wanting to know what is God's will and how to move forward. Um, so it's beautiful. So he he wrote this in the form of an article, which is posted on the Divine Mercy website because Robert works with uh, with that apostolate as the director of the John Paul II Institute of Divine Mercy. Mm -hmm. um, so you can certainly find this, the, the article that this first of the three teachings is based on. Uh, and it's an article called Finding the Right Path. Uh, so if you, you Google Finding the Right Path by Robert Stackpole, that'll come up. But we'll be giving the, the basics here. And this first part, um, like the whole three parts is a primer for discernment. The first part mm -hmm. is more just general principles. Yes. Parts two and three focus a bit more on what we would call Ignatian principles. And by no means is it a... Uh, even the nutshell of a comprehensive discernment of spirits. It's just <laughs> using and applying some, uh, some principles that come from Ignatian discernment in a practical way. Help students, again, over Christmas break, start to be able to manage the, uh, the thinking ahead. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's good. Like, by no means is this going to be exhaustive, but it is introductory. And mm -hmm. so, um, you know, if, uh, in the words of G.K. Chesterton, if something's worth doing, it's, it's worth, worth doing it. badly. Worth doing well. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, and, and my hope is that it's at least uh, helpful to some, so maybe for some of our, our listeners slash viewers, uh, that this might be a, a little refresher, mm -hmm. a little encouragement along the way. 
Uh, I guess, of course, the first question comes up was, what do we mean by discernment? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. What do you mean by discernment, Jim? Well, uh, the origin of the word comes from actually meaning to separate away or to cut away. I think one of the best images uh, that I've heard for what discernment is is a story about Michelangelo, hmm. uh, who apparently had the uncanny, uh, almost second sense of being able to see in a block of marble what was to be carved. Mm. You could see the statue in the uncut raw uh, block of quarried, quarried marble. And uh, somebody asked, asked him once, said, so how did, you, how did you know to carve David? How did you carve David, uh, his great statue, his great work, David? And he simply said, I approached the block of marble and simply cut away all that was not David. <laughs> and I love that notion, simply breaking away or chipping away all that is not what you're searching for. Mm-hmm. And if we're searching for God's will, then discernment is essentially that. It is chipping away all that is not God's preferential will for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that idea, and, and to approach the discernment uh, process that way, to say, well, it's not this, or it's not this, is a healthy, uh, a healthy uh, uh, discernment process. I think sometimes we get a little bit uh, almost tripping up in the whole process when we think that we have to get it right the first try. You mm-hmm. know, I have to know, I have to say yes this. Um, but maybe just saying no. No, no, not this, not this, not this, and just narrow it down. And that's a beautiful way of looking at discernment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, that kind of suits, uh, suits kind of my personal experience of it as well, because um, often whenever you're thinking about, well, what's a good thing I can choose? And you're like, oh, well, there's all these cool things I could do. But then it comes down to, well, what, do, what can I for sure say no to? Mm. Um, what is something that just isn't going to work? Um, I find that's a very good practical <laughs> way to start. Yeah, the process um, of elimination. Yeah, the process of elimination and then what remains. And then there's a little more nitty-gritty that has to happen. But I think it's a good way to kind of approach discernment, to cut away. It's first. a good way to choose, uh, choose movies, especially when we're working with a few people. You know, the process of elimination. <laughs> we got into the habit of that. A couple of people wanting to watch movies. You lay out all the DVDs that you're going to watch. And everybody gets a turn to say, not this one. Not this one. Not this one. <laughs> Eventually it narrows down, so there's a group discernment process for movies. <laughs> and then it's between Tangled and A Man for All Seasons, and you're like, okay, how did we come to this? Uh, either way, we, <laughs> we won't go there. <laughs> yeah, we won't go there. <laughs> All right, so discernment um, means, therefore, uh, it comes from the same word meaning to separate away or to yeah, cut away. Cut away. Yeah. Go following along that Michelangelo line. Um, so what are we properly cutting away? Well, properly what we're cutting away is, uh, is things that are good in and of themselves, but what we're looking for is the goodest good for us. <laughs> the goodest uh, good. The goodest good. <laughs> uh, I, I, like, I like that way of expressing it. It's like, you know, we want to always discern what is gooder. And what is gooder in the sense of God who knows what is the goodest for me? Mm-hmm. Um, he genuinely desires my good. He genuinely desires me to be uh, happy, to have a fruitful life. This is not the gospel of prosperity. He's certainly not calling us to a life of ease. Mm. Uh, it's going to involve the cross. And that's an important part of discernment as well, is to recognize that uh, this is not about everything turning up roses for us, with the possible exception of St. Therese. Things do turn up roses there. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, usually with, with a few thorns attached as well. <laughs> um, so it's not about a life of ease. It is about a life of purpose. Mm. And God knows best what is that purpose and what uh, the fruitful call that he has for me in life. Um, so it's important to recognize that it is, discernment is always a decision between two or more goods. Uh, it's not a process of, of elimination of, of things that are not good for us. You know, and mm-hmm. thing, avoiding things that are not good for us is just called avoiding the occasion of sin. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I say to the students that during, during Lent, you don't fast from things that you know, are, are wrong for you or immoral. Again, that's just living the Christian life of avoiding things. So there's no discernment in that. But it is, this is good, and this is good, and this is good. And Lord, you know best where I'm going to be able to most most, uh, faithfully serve you, most faithfully love you, most faithfully love my brother and my sister, my neighbor. uh, And what is ultimately going to bring you the greatest glory? Hmm. Help me to see that. So discernment is always between two or more goods. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's the key. Um, uh, Robert suggests that there are some basic attitudes uh, that are helpful 
almost essential <laughs> as we approach the whole process. And the, and the first thing is to ask God. If we are genuinely mm. seeking God's will, uh, it's amazing how we can say, Lord, I want to do your will, but then never actually do the most obvious thing, which is, Lord, what is your will? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've gotten caught into that one a few times where it's like, Lord, I just want to do your will, and I just keep telling that over and over again. And then when it actually comes down to the fuzzy content of what it is, I never bother to consult him. Um, <laughs> Um, thankfully, I, I've, I've learned to kind of work out of that habit. But um, it's, all, it's funny how often you can actually still slip into that from time to time. Because there's a bit of a self-will that can kind of get in there. Mm-hmm. And um, it's not a matter of destroying your will, but it's a matter of taming it, I think, in this regard. Um, and just to return a little bit to what you were saying about um, not choosing... Uh, discernment's not about choosing a good and avoiding an evil, because that's just regular... That's uh, just the Christian call. That's just the Christian call. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, I think that just bears a lot of repeating because it strikes me that discernment is not so much on that objective level of uh, evil and goodness necessarily. It's more on the subjective level of where do I pursue the Lord in all the midst of these various goods. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, like you know, where when we all think of like calling and discernment, we think of like marriage. Marriage is a good. Well, so is priesthood, but they're mutually exclusive. You can't do both in, in our in our church. Um, and so it comes down to discerning what, as you say, if the good is good for you. Um, but yeah, ask him. Um, I think sometimes we can uh, forget that God is actually present and that he's actually active. Um, we can sometimes think in an abstract way, he's the Lord of all history, but we forget that he's the Lord of my history. Yeah. Um, that he's savior, not just to everyone as a community, but yeah. he's also savior directly personally in my life. Yeah. And, and the personal is important, yeah. uh, because certainly this whole notion of asking God what he desires and what his will is, um, is assuming a couple of things already. It's assuming, one, that there is actually a personal God, mm. and it's amazing how many, uh, how many people, even how many people who would identify as Christian, Sherry Waddell speaks about this in Forming Intentional Disciples, mm-hmm. that do not approach God with a sense of, of God being a personal being meaning a, pers- uh, a being that is in relationship with us, that knows and that loves. And in fact, God being the most personal of beings, knows us and loves us perfectly. Hmm. I think sometimes we think of God almost like Lady Justice. Um, so hmm. the famous figure of Lady Justice where she's got like a sword in one hand and the scales in the other, and she's blindfolded. Hmm. You know? And you know, God is justice, to be sure. Um, and there's a great truth in like saying justice is blind. It weighs the morality of things independent of, you know, uh, being able to be bribed or being overly affini- uh, affiliated. But w- even further than that image, I think, like, is God as mercy. Yeah. And one of the best definitions of mercy, I think, I've heard recently is to view oneself in union with the other, whereas justice is to view oneself in distinction from the mm. other. Um, that can deserves a whole lot of unpacking, but, like, I think that... Um, uh, the question of personal, person, um, personality and mercy kind of come into this. Mm-hmm. Um, really trusting that the Lord has a plan, and it's a good plan. And a unique plan. And a unique plan. And I think that's an important thing. When we think of God's mercy, uh, when we approach it with justice, it does tend to be, you know, across the board and a little bit objective. When speaking of mercy, it does get much more personal because there's the Lord who knows me, who knows me individually, uniquely, personally is aware of my own characteristics, personality, temperaments, my weaknesses, my failings, my history, um, my tendencies, and takes all of those into account. Uh, And that's so important. Mm -hmm. Um, So he knows me, he loves me, he's a personal being, so it also presupposes actually having a personal relationship. Mm, uh, Which doesn't mean a private, we're not talking personal in that way, but we do mean the relationship as persons. So the question is, all right, I can accept that God knows and loves me. Do I know and love God? Mm. Uh, and that can also bring to, bring to mind and heart, are there any particular obstacles that are standing in the path between, uh, mm-hmm. between me and my understanding of God? Sometimes we can view him in a, in a particular way. It's been very much shaped by our past experiences, by um, you know, what we've, uh, what we've, what we've learned, how, you know, the past experience we've had of God, even going all the way back to how we were parented mm. um, can yeah. deeply affect that. So am I, am I really open to recognizing that God does know me, does love me, has a particular call for me, uh, knows what is going to 
bring me joy and life and genuinely desires to lead me in those paths mm -hmm. and, and bring me to those things and lead me in those ways. With that understanding, then discernment is actually uh, far more exciting than it is frightening. Because mm -hmm. I think that's one of the big things. As I say to the students, you know, the two things that we fear about God when we first approach him is, what's he going to do to me? <laughs> and what's he going to ask me to do? Uh, that makes discernment very difficult if we're approaching God with that kind of, ah, stay away, <laughs> stay away. But if I recognize I have nothing to fear about what he's going to do to me, because it's only going to be for my good, mm -hmm. so bring it on. Uh, and I'm not afraid of what he's going to ask me to do because it's only going to be for my good mm -hmm. and to bring life and joy, even if it does involve the cross. Mm -hmm. I'm open. It's going to be simple. It's going to be good. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be resonating with who you are. But it doesn't mean it's, not, it's going to be easy all the time. Right. You know, but I think that also just highlights the adventure aspect of it. You know, because uh, I think all of us in the romantic side, we all have, we do like an adventure. Mm. Um, but, you know... If the adventure doesn't have some form of a hardship, um, it often loses its allure. Um, and so I think that there's a, there's a bit of a, a way to see it that actually helps a lot more. Um, so in terms of like asking God, um, the next step, I guess, is like actually listening to him calling you to go a particular direction. Well, that's going to be the other thing. It's like, yeah, we can certainly, uh, uh, certainly ask him, but... Uh, <laughs> So th those words from the, from the prophet, uh, you know, speak, O Lord, your servant is listening. And so often it's, listen, O Lord, your servant is speaking. Yeah, yeah. Is that what we're doing when we're asking? We're saying, all right, Lord, this is the way we're going to go. We have to have a level of, of humility, uh, openness, and receptivity. So it really, truly is, if today you hear his voice, harden hard not your, your heart, heart. Mm -hmm. uh, to be open to that. We, we hear the, the old expression of, you know, Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> uh, but I remember somebody once asking, but have we surrendered the map to him as well, or the GPS? Or are we so busy sitting in the passenger seat telling God exactly what we're going to do and exactly where we're going to go? Yeah. Do we trust God enough to let it be a Tesla car, you know? <laughs> uh, although God's yeah. far more reliable than Tesla. Mm. Um, yeah, no, I, that's, that's a good point. Um, have we allowed him to be our CPS, our celestial positioning so, system? Yeah, yeah. I, I heard somebody once, I think it was actually... Um, Cardinal Ouellette, who had mentioned this? I, I can't remember. I think it was one of the Canadian cardinals who had said, uh, we need to be guided by, the G by GPS in this time, the great prophetic spirit. Oh, oh there we go. Like that. And that's very <laughs> much what discernment is. It's allowing ourselves to be guided by the great prophetic spirit, the Holy Spirit given to us by Jesus. So mm -hmm. that's beautiful. So, of course, when we're talking discernment, we're, we're speaking about listening to a call mm -hmm. and responding to a call. That's where we get the term vocation from. And there's three vocational uh, th three vocational callings. Which, mm -hmm. Sorry, that's a redundancy saying a vocational calling, but three callings or three vocations that we would be called to. And of course, uh, the first is the universal call to holiness, which has really been very s square on the radar screen since the Second Vatican Council. Well, it's been mm -hmm. since the Gospel. Yeah, it's been perennial Christ. through the ages. But, but it's certainly yeah. been re-clarified and re-emphasized for all of the faithful, and in a particular way for the lay faithful uh, since the Second Vatican Council, and certainly one of the great impetus uh, behind the uh, the new evangelization mm -hmm. is uh, is reawakening a responsiveness to this universal call to holiness, which really requires very little discernment. Mm -hmm. Everyone is called to be holy. Discernment over. The real discernment in this is how <laughs> how, how? Yeah. and a moment by moment. And I, I think in the context of of what we live here at Saint Therese and what we teach here. Uh, so much of the universal call to holiness is worked out in the nitty-gritty of the day-to-day -day called the duty of the moment. If mm -hmm. you want to know what God's will is for you in the vocation of growing in holiness, uh, it is doing faithfully, diligently, with great love, whatever is before you right now, where are you supposed to be, when are you supposed to be there, uh, to be there and be open to that moment and encounter God in that moment. So the duty of the moment, one of those teachings, that's mm -hmm. the first vocation. Uh, second vocation we can speak of is the, the, the real sense of what am I supposed to do. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where most of our discernment uh, that we're going to be talking about is falling into. It's like, Lord, what is the work that you have for me to do? Mm -hmm. Given my personality, my charisms, my natural talents, my interests, the circumstances that I'm in, uh, how do you want me to love? How do you want me to love you, and how do you want me to love my neighbor, and what am I supposed to be doing in that? Now, that vocational uh, state 
uh, of the, the, the apostolate, the, how I'm sent into the vineyard of the Lord, uh, can be everything from what am I supposed to be doing this weekend? There's a discernment on that. What am I supposed to be doing tomorrow evening? There's a discernment on that. What am I supposed to be doing for this summer, for next year, uh, mm -hmm. for my career? All of those things are discernment that fall into this second category. And then the third category of vocation is how we tend to narrow our understanding of vocation in our conversation, mm -hmm. that is... It's almost like a capital V vocation. The capital V vocation. Yeah. Uh, which I think is properly just lowercase voc V vocation because all three of these vocational uh, states and vocational mm -hmm. calls are, are of, of equal and necessary importance. Uh, but this is the vocation insofar as what is my stable, permanent state in life. Mm -hmm. And that's the call to marriage. Yeah, consecrated the life. Consecrated holy life, orders. the call to holy orders. Yeah. And increasingly the sense of call to a permanent state of singlehood. And you're seeing this notion of consecrated single, which is, which is emerging. Mm -hmm. I'm a little bit nervous, and I'll just mention this, and I don't want to weigh in heavily on one way, but a little nervous about what seems to be uh, singlehood or singleness, which, which may sometimes be actually the difficulty in discernment or circumstances that are beyond our control. Um, I think when we're speaking about vocational states like this, we need to be uh, put quite clear that this is a distinct call that is called to some sense of permanence mm -hmm. and the permanence and uh, the, the commitment to that before mm -hmm. God is an important aspect of that. Yeah, and I think uh, we need, as Catholics, we have this tendency to, we, we love sacraments in Catholicism, um, but, you know, we look at marriage and it's like, yes, that's a sacrament, it's a, con a conduit of grace in some special manner. Um, holy orders, same thing. Uh, consecrated life, you know, discussion on whether, um, on the sacramental character uh, here and there. Um, but uh, singlehood, like a lot of people, I think, seems to view, seem to view this as an evil in some way. And I think that there's actually a lot of, uh, there's a lot of grace that can be present in there. Plus this uh, yeah. fundamental availability. Um, I, I think it's sad that it is seen as some, uh, you know, a negative. It's not at all. It's very, mm -hmm. very powerful and very beautiful. Um, and all of these vocational states, even those that are tied to a sacrament, like holy orders and marriage, are all of them flowing from the sacraments that we've all received that incorporate us into Christ, which mm -hmm. is baptism. And they're all expressions of uh, the baptismal, uh, baptismal uh, call by Jesus to participate in those three messianic offices as priest, priest prophet, prophet, and king. king. Yeah. There's the common, or what we might, I prefer to call, the royal priesthood of the lay faithful, Mm -hmm. uh, and then, of course, there's the ordained ministry, and there's this beautiful complementarity uh, that works between them. But certainly the call to religious life, to consecrated life, uh, to the permanent uh, single state uh, is all a beautiful working out and mm -hmm. living out of the baptismal graces strengthened and brought to deeper fruition through confirmation and nourished in, mm -hmm. uh, in the Eucharist. Yeah. The main point, I guess, we're trying to make is that um, being single, for example, um, is not necessarily having missed out on something. No. Um, but, and that, but unfortunately, that's often how it's viewed. Yeah, and um, I think that might be the, just the challenges that we're facing in, in our world. And uh, in the context of, just, we don't want to get too, too sidelined in discussing this. That could be an opportunity for a whole other podcast. But uh, I think it, it is worth saying that there are many people that find themselves in a challenging situation of, of uncertainty. Uh, and being open to a call but not hearing a call and, and maybe feeling stuck. And I've spoken with many young friends that have found, found themselves in this, in this state. And uh, it can be a real cross. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's important that we recognize that that, is, uh, that in itself is an incredible opportunity to be very deeply unified uh, mm -hmm. to Christ. I think it's important to, to affirm, though, uh, that discernment is about finding a permanent state in life. So even if the permanent state small p permanent in quotations seems to be a state of impermanence you know that can be part of carrying the cross too but we are calling we're, we're speaking about a discernment of a vocation to a permanent state that's been clearly called to by the lord so deep compassion for those that do in certain circumstances and uncertain times find themselves in uh, in that kind of state of vocational flux mm -hmm. um, deep empathy but insofar as the second part of discernment about lord what do you want me to be doing uh, mm -hmm. How can I be serving you in the apostolate? Uh, then we start getting into some of the practicals and the tools of discernment. Mm -hmm. For our students, this is important because, yeah, it's going to be the question of, you know, am I coming back to St. Therese to deepen the experience here and continue uh, living and loving and working the little way um, and being a missionary in that sense, in, in the St. Therese way? Am I called to uh, be a more active missionary 
you know, in, in the St. Francis mode, um, like uh, uh, on, on net or CCO or face-to-face -face or some other post like, like that, uh, is the, the desire to get on with an education or into the workforce. All of those questions are coming up now. Uh, the key in this is to recognize that Jesus will lead the way. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's a matter of just looking at some of the most obvious things. So Robert speaks, uh, uses this beautiful image of lights, uh, two lights on our boat, the boat that we are as we're sailing across these, the waves of life. Uh, so two lights on our boat and two lights on God's dock. Mm -hmm. And being aware of what these lights are and being able to line them up and know that they are meant to be. So it's a, a matter of me navigating my way, guided by, uh, by the lights on God's dock. Mm -hmm. and Robert speaks about two lights on, on my boat being my own desires, which mm -hmm. is a huge thing. And Pope Francis, being a Jesuit, constantly bringing us back to talk about uh, uh, discernment, particularly in Christus Vivit, speaking to young people about the importance of discernment, focuses on desires and a rekindling of hope and a rediscovery of desires in a time which was so plagued by cynicism and skepticism mm -hmm. and despair. It's such a beautiful thing to, to see. It's good to hope. It's good to dream. It's good to have desires. And in fact, these desires can be a clear indication of what God's will is. Uh, I know in speaking with, with young people, particularly in the larger vocational uh, questions of state and life, there can be a real fear. It's like, I don't want to discern the priesthood, a young man might say. I just don't desire it. To which you say, it's okay, it's all right. I can guarantee that if that's where God's calling you to, he will kindle the desire. <laughs> As I often say to them, how many of you actually desired to come to St. Therese the first time you heard about it? <laughs> and many of them know, but something happens, something shifts, and certainly we've experienced that. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've had that experience of, of desire coming after discernment. Oh, totally. Or in the process of it. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, for the longest time, whenever I was doing my undergraduate degree in, in uh, religious studies and philosophy, I... I didn't like I, I guess you could say I had the desire for marriage or something, but I thought I was going to be a priest. You know, I thought I was going to go. I had a real desire to go join the uh, the seminary, for example. And frankly, um, you know, even though I desired marriage, it was not always for all the right reasons and stuff. And really, what actually happened is when I met my wife, suddenly the desire for marriage took a very different level. Mm. Um, it was no longer felt something that felt like a distraction. It felt very real, very concrete. Um, and so there was a bit of, a, it's not quite the same thing as having none and then having all, some, um, but it was more like having some and then having all, you know? Of course, this rather begs the question of what we mean by desire, but maybe we'll just leave that conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Could have a, a, you know, a whole class whole on that. Other yeah, yeah. A whole series of podcasts on that one, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that desires are like um, these deeper, not just these surface wants, mm -hmm. you know? It's more like this deeper sense of identity, uh, mission, yeah. life, life. You know, yeah. there's like surviving life and then there's thriving in life, mm -hmm. you know, and it's, I think it's at that level of thriving. That's an interesting distinction you make because, as I understand, psychologically speaking, wants are the expression of underlying desires that are part of our conscious mind. Mm. But desires, psychologically speaking, are those underlying things that are part of our unconscious or subconscious mind that often we're not even aware of. Hmm. So part of discernment is perhaps cultivating a sense of what do I truly desire? Mm -hmm. And are my wants actually in line with the underlying desire? Mm. Um, so one of, the one of the lights on the boat is this notion of desire. And it, honestly, just do. I, I think as much as we may be saying, you know, Lord, what do you want me to do? The Lord may be standing there saying, well, what do you want to do? <laughs> you know, he's genuinely interested in our desires. And, you know, it's interesting because I think a lot of people in hearing that, um, especially Catholics kind of tuning into this podcast, um, they might uh, listen to that and get a little nervous um, because we have such a thing against emotivism, for mm. example. Um, you know, Pope John Paul II spoke against it. Um, every serious moral theologian has kind of spoken against it too. Um, so then when you talk about desire, you think feeling, and then you think, well, how is this not following my emotions? Um, well, it's interesting because, you know, the important thing to note is that Catholicism has never been against emotion. And it's never been against, against desire. And I would draw some distinctions there, of course. I think emotions spring from desire and our wants and stuff. And there's that dialogue and then that cutting away, that discernment there, too. Um, but desire is almost like, um, almost like hunger mm -hmm. um, in the way it's viewed. And so it's actually, you know, when you're hungry for food, 
um, it's indicating that in food, y- your stomach will be satiated, mm-hmm. you know? So in that sense, we, when we, all of us, none of us bat an eye when we sit, when we think we're hungry for food, unless we objectively know we're not hungry, we're just craving something. Um, but there's even a, a distinct movement there. But like we look at the presence of hunger and see that there is food and that is good for us, yeah. you know? So in the same sort of discernment process, uh, we can look and see that if there's a fundamental desire that is in our subconscious that we have to discern and bring more and more to light, and the only way I think that you actually really bring it to light is by acting and going out and then contemplating and, mm. you know, go putting yourself into the mission, putting yourself in the way of discernment. Yeah. Let's See, put it that I, I might, way. I might flip it around and say that the first thing for, for kindling and bringing to light those deeper desires, which I agree with you, is that notion of yearning, longing. Um, some might describe it as nostalgia. John Paul II in Fides at Ratio yeah, speaks about a nostalgia for the truth. And I think that our desire for how we're going to actually love and live in this life is very closely tied to that deep longing for the homeland of our heart, which is, which is mm-hmm. heaven and God. Uh, just to be authentic about that, uh, but I would suggest the contemplation and then the uh, mm-hmm. and the action, and and it comes back to asking God. It's like, Lord, what do you want me to do? And in the yeah. in the presence yeah. of Christ, it's, we're saying the same thing. No, I think so. Heads and or like, tails, you call it. They're two sides <laughs> to the same coin. Uh, heads. <laughs> I'll just call that. You know, it's very true. So, uh, in the words of one great Dominican that I got to know um, uh, in reading. His name was uh, A.G. Sertelange. Sertelange, yeah. Sertelange, yeah, I think he's French, whatever. Um, but he said, um, if something pleases you, provided it really pleases you, this can be a concrete indication of vocation. There we go. That's so, it. So the, the light of desire. If this pleases you, provided it really pleases you, and it's in line with what is true and good and beautiful, cultivate that. Pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. But don't be afraid to discern something if your immediate sense is, I don't desire that. Maybe it's, I don't want that given mm-hmm. my circumstances, but with that staying in the light of Christ, that might actually come up. So that's one, uh, one light on, on, on your boat. The other light mm-hmm. on your boat is, uh, is your own natural talents. What are you good at? What do you enjoy? <laughs> uh, so often, you know, talking to a young person about discernment, it's like, well, what classes in high school really caught your attention? What courses in university really captured you? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what did you really enjoy? What, what do you spend your free time on? What hobbies do you naturally gravitate to? Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes that can be a startling uh, clarity. And not just the natural talents, but the supernatural talents mm-hmm. as well. What are the charisms? And there's so much talk in the church now about charisms and discernment of charisms. And I think that's so important for really God gives mm-hmm. us these gifts because this can be a sense of this is what, you, what you're supposed to do. You know, if you were to discover in your, in your toolkit, you open it up and you discover, um, you know, a, a hammer and a saw and a plane. Well, that might be a clear indication that you're not supposed to be an electrician. Mm-hmm. It might be a clear indication that carpentry is what God is calling you to. So too, if you open up your bag of tricks and, and in there you find certain charisms that you're able to identify, that can be a clear indication to the, you know, to the apostolate that God is calling you, a vocational path. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everybody might think that they're supposed to be a youth minister and going and do, doing youth <laughs> ministry, but if you don't have the charisms of evangelism or of you know, a, a teaching or, uh, or similar charisms like that, you might actually have an, what could be described as an anti-charism for youth ministry and mm-hmm. end up getting in the way of people actually coming to the faith because maybe the charisms that you have might be leading you into the medical field mm-hmm. or into the trades. Yeah, very possibly. And that's so important. I know that can sound a little bit strange. It's like everybody should be doing some kind of youth ministry. It's, well, no, I think everybody should be doing the apostolate that God has for them. And the mm-hmm. vineyard is very, very and wide. Everyone should be an evangelist, but we need evangelists in all spheres of society, not just yeah. one sphere. And not to be so narrow. This is another challenge that we can have is somehow we think that we're not doing the work of the church if we're not doing church work. It's like, well, the work of the church for the lay faithful is to be in the marketplace, to actually be in the secular order according to the secular character and, and bringing God's light into that. So it may not be uh, necessarily working actively in ministry in a parish, but it may be actually being a pharmacist or a banker, mm-hmm. a truck driver. Those things are beautiful, beautiful mm-hmm. uh, parts of the marketplace. But again, that's a whole other Mm-hmm. podcast discussion, the call Certainly. of the lay faithful. Yeah, and I mean, a certain amount of this will also get kind of fine-tuned and refined in the next two sessions that we're going to do. Yeah. There was one brief question I put here, and maybe I think the next two sessions will get at it a little more, which is what happens when your desire or what you identify as a desire and your natural talents or supernatural gifts don't line up? 
you know? Yeah, well, what, what, do you th <laughs> what would you propose to that? <laughs> well, I think it comes down to um, sometimes we're given a desire um, to pull us in a certain direction, I think. And then after a while, we uncover other elements. So we, we go from the conscious to the subconscious because it's, I think desire has to be constantly refined in mm -hmm. that way. And frankly, if you don't follow a desire initially, you may never find what was actually underlying that surface desire, the deeper desire, yeah. you know. So I would say, like, um, there is this constant complementary whole, you know, that you kind of have to do. Um, a movie that comes to mind is Rudy, um, yeah. which is funny because uh, Rudy is all about this shorter fellow, Sean Astin, who goes off and pursues uh, football at Notre Dame. Um, and he's just not equipped for football. He doesn't have the natural talent, but he does have effort and he mm -hmm. does have a certain genius for it. Um, but what happens in the context of it is he suddenly dives into his studies and he never thought he was going to get a university degree, even though his main dream was to go and play with the, the football team. And he never did play quote unquote fully with the football team, but he did get in for the last game. Mm. And then he realized that was, he hit his dream, but not in the way he thought. Mm -hmm. And in yep. a way, he actually discovered an education and many, many other things and even, even various occupational callings things that he never would have considered otherwise. Be faithful to the process of discernment. Mm -hmm. uh, trusting God in the mix of it, that's so important. And there's also the discernment in the macro and the discernment in the micro. Like there's different discernments that are going on. We're using the tools of discernment to discern these things, but we also have to discern the tools. Mm -hmm. So the whole idea of charism is discernment and discerning that. Um, I know I was coaching one of my sons uh, in a process of discerning something and I was saying, if you are, after prayer and thought and using these tools of discernment, feeling called intentionally in this direction, then no matter what apparent obstacles are in the path, move in that direction mm -hmm. and move with confidence. Because if indeed this is God's will and you've discerned this, discerned this well, then trust that those obstacles will be overcome and often in the most miraculous and simple ways. Mm -hmm. But if you've discerned that this is the direction you're supposed to be moving in, you move forward faithfully, but it's not God's will, then you may find that that is an obstacle that is insurmountable. But having approached that obstacle with confidence, you may find that as you approach it, there's other avenues that open up on either side that had you not approached with confidence, you would have never seen them. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, you know, if there seems to be a lack of resonance between desires and natural aptitude or supernatural gift, continue to discern both the desires, the charisms, natural aptitudes, but also in the whole mix, trust God in the process. Mm -hmm. um, a very brief story I heard once was uh, somebody who was hiking in the Appalachian, uh, in the, App the Appalachian Trail uh, with their son, the middle-aged man, he was, he was hiking with his, his son, um, a young adult, and uh, they'd been hiking for days and days and days. Uh, the dad was getting pretty worn out and tired, uh, looking forward to getting to the, to the end of the trail. And this was the last day of the hike, came over this little rise and could see just a couple of miles away where the trailhead was and was very happy to see that. And, and, um, and then started down the trail and the trail started to bend away and bend away and bend away. And the father in his tiredness was getting frustrated and more and more frustrated <laughs> and eventually started grumbling to the point where the son said, listen, I'm going ahead, I'll catch you up at the end. And he, the son just took off and the father was getting more and more upset as the trail bent further and further away until it was almost going in the opposite direction from where the trailhead was. Uh, it ended up being an eight or nine mile uh, hike hmm. and bent all the way around. Eventually exhausted, this fellow came up to the trailhead and climbed up to a vantage point at the end of the trail and looked back to where he had seen the trailhead. But from his vantage point at the end saw that it was impenetrable swamp. Hmm. And all of a sudden in prayer, he had, in, in the exhaustion and the frustration, in prayer he heard the words, trust the trail maker. Hmm. And I thought, what a beautiful notion in discernment is trust the trail maker. It may, be, it may seem that in the context of, of discernment, God may be leading you in the wrong direction. But be faithful to that. Uh, he, knows, he knows the paths. So finding the right path may appear to be the wrong path. But if we're being faithful to the process, it's good. So the two lights on the boat, coming back to that, our own desires, our natural aptitudes and charisms. Uh, and then the lights on God's dock, uh, pretty simple. It's mm -hmm. obviously your life circumstances. You know, I may desire to be, you know, uh, a great founder of uh, Western monasticism, but the fact is I'm not kicking around St. Benedict <laughs> in 500 and something. So that's going to be impossible. I may want to be a great missionary uh, to, the, to the new world. Uh, 
Well, what's the I don't new live world, in that right? time. You know? <laughs> you know? I, I may want to, you know, to be somewhere or somebody else, but that's just wishful thinking. You, know, you cultivate those desires a little bit, but let's recognize that God has chosen me to be here in this place at this time for a specific purpose. And I can find a lot of consolation there. So just recognizing personal circumstances and life circumstances uh, are a big part of discernment. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a little bit like a, a discernment map with an arrow saying, you are here. <laughs> <laughs> and we discern from here. Uh, mm -hmm. There's no point in discerning from somewhere else. So that's one of uh, the lights on God's dock. And then the other light on God's dock is the council. Uh, the, the sage advice uh, from those who pray are in tune with the Holy Spirit and who know and love you. Mm -hmm. uh, and just seeking wisdom there. Um, now, I like to say also that somebody's opinion only is worth as much as it costs them. Because uh, there's lots of folks standing on the sidelines that have lots of opinions about lots of stuff. But if I'm going to take something personally, I'm going to recognize that there's an investment that has been made. So a good friend, um, parents, siblings who know us mm -hmm. and love us, a spiritual advisor, a priest, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and just to be listening to that. That's so important. So life circumstances and the advice of those around you. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, what's a, there's, a, there's another thing that um, people will often use in discernment. And um, we've kind of, I, I, I know myself I've experienced um, these from time to time as well, but uh, these are signs, you know, yeah. like almost like these these cosmic like lineups or something like that, where sure. it seems that we're getting some kind of push in a direction and stuff like that. Now, um, you know, like I think all of us have experienced in some way signs, but I think we've also experienced sometimes signs being a little confusing or a little even troublesome at times. Yeah. So what's, uh, what's your opinion on using signs to discern? Yeah, no, this is, uh, this is more my thinking. This is not in Robert's, uh, Robert's article. I'm hesitant about signs. I, I firmly believe in signs. I think God does obviously send signs. You know, the scriptures are full of signs. Yeah, entirely. Um, yeah. But the signs are meant to inspire and bring about faith. Uh, signs are never going to be something that is going to be violent or violate our human freedoms. And one of our human freedoms is the ability to know and the ability to choose, to love. So our intellect and our will. Um, I think sometimes in the fear of discernment, we, we, we can abdicate our responsibilities and hmm. just say, all right, Lord, I want you to show me. And so we're waiting for a sign. But the difficulty with that is then I've not actually made a decision. God's made a decision. And when the going gets tough and in the Christian life, it will it, get it tough. It gets tough. Because it's yep. always going to involve the cross. Well, the road to resurrection is the cross. Is the cross. Yeah. And Jesus said, if you'd be my disciple, pick up your cross daily and follow me. Uh, so when the going gets tough, and it will get tough, if I haven't actually made that act of the will and made that clear and conscious and personal choice, then it's very easy for me just to give up. And I've seen that so often. Hmm. Um, and that's not to say that there's a process of discernment that sometimes you're called away from a work that you'd felt called to. Those things happen, but that's carefully discerned. The difficulty with a sign is, am I wanting to make a decision or am I looking for somebody else to make a decision for me? There hmm. can be an element of irresponsibility. Yeah. I know that sounds like a judgment, but I think it's worth actually looking at. Because uh, sometimes it's crazy. It's like, Lord, you know, send me a sign. Send me, I don't know, send me an orange if, uh, if you want me to do this. And then you walk into a grocery store. It's and there's like, an orange. Duh. There's a whole basket of them, you know. <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden, it's a whole bunch of yeses. No, of you course, know. <laughs> as I'm talking about this, it's like, don't listen to me, St. Therese. I'm sorry about that with your shower of roses. But I would say the shower of roses are actually beautiful signs and good signs, provided that we're not approaching them looking for that to be the deciding factor. Mm -hmm. So I think we have to be very cautious with that. Uh, God wants us to engage our will, and the whole point of discernment is my will be thy will. Mm. And I want there to be that connection and the importance of going through the process and responsibly making a decision. Now, the role that signs place, uh, play in our lives, and they are, I think they're twofold. Uh, one is signs in the process of discernment can be the indication of God saying, I am with you. Mm -hmm. Good for you. You're on the right path. In the midst of this discernment, I'm with you. And mm -hmm. that can be incredibly encouraging. Oh, definitely. Uh, and that's helpful. And that can actually strengthen the will instead of weakening the will or having us abandon the will. That can be like that, that uh, you know, good cheer from somebody who we're really, really counting on saying, you can do this. Uh, a bit like you know, doing a hard, a hard walk, a hard journey, and somebody saying, you're doing a great job. So those kind of signs are beautiful. The second play that, place that I think signs are very important are as a confirmation when a decision has been made or when we're settling into the sense of, all right, this is what I'm thinking that I should be doing, and I'm kind of settled in this. And then a sign can come as a confirmation. Mm -hmm. 
and as kind of that well done, good and faithful servant. It's like, right on. Mm -hmm. But both should be, uh, have, a, have that sense of, of strengthening the will, mm. uh, not taking the will away or bringing us into a place of irresponsibility. They should be calling us to be more responsible with, mm -hmm. the, with the process and with the decision. Um, I think that's a key thing. And to recognize, yeah, God is in the midst. I think one of the biggest troubles we have and why sometimes we can turn to signs saying, Lord, you tell me what you want me to do. You know, if it's going to be this, let it be one thing. If it's going to be this, let it be another. Um, I think one of the biggest fears that we have is what if I get it wrong? Hmm. What if I get it wrong? Um, and I think it's important to recognize uh, two things in that. First off, our whole understanding of God's will, it's not, I think we can, we can approach it like it's a very narrow razor's edge ridge that we're walking on. And if we stray you know, one half foot to the left or to the right, we're going to fall down the precipice. <laughs> and like, no, 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 I, I prefer to see God's will because we're discerning between goods. It's a bit more like a, a park. Yeah, there are boundaries to it, but there's a park. There's one path that is going to be the path for the greatest joy in life. But God will be okay with any path, and so I can. And with God, I realize there's never uh, a plan B. It's always just an ever-shifting plan A. <laughs> so <laughs> you will start from here. You will start from here. You'll start and every time we come back to him. As Catherine Doherty says, with God, every moment is a moment of beginning again and mm -hmm. reinvesting. So for one thing is to recognize that, yeah, we have a, we have a, a, a broadness in God's will. And, and, and that gives us a sense of, okay, uh, I, can, I can be free to explore a little bit. And also recognize that I'm free to make a mistake. Because mm -hmm. I have to recognize that God's mercy and his love for me is far bigger than any mistake that I might make. Mm -hmm. um, I would say provided I'm making the mistake for the, for the right reasons. Mm -hmm. Intention is yeah. everything. I've been intentioning to really discern. And discernment is a, is a skill that needs to be learned. And it's learned by trial and error. Mm -hmm. So my final encouragement to the students is do your best. Give God the rest. Don't panic. God loves you. Yeah, no, I, I think that's good. Um, just uh, talking a little bit about signs, it's like I think that the um, the main main thing at the heart of signs is um, sort of I think what Elijah experienced on the mountain in mm. the Old Testament. So like uh, Elijah went up to the mountain to find God, and mm. he uh, there was a terrific storm that came up and wind and thunder and lightning and God was not in the wind, the thunder and the lightning and he wasn't in the hail, he wasn't in all of these spectacular quote-unquote signs mm -hmm. what you would expect. These manifestations. The, these manifestations. In the end it was just that quiet still voice and it was one that was not aggressive to Elijah, mm -hmm. it was one that beckoned him out, mm -hmm. from, out from hiding behind a rock, you know. And I think that's a really good image for us because signs I think are supposed to evoke from us, a gentle um, response. Sometimes signs can come to us in a bit of tumultuousness too, but like I think that the main thing is to to bring our heart out from hiding, you know. And so I think the confirmation um, of our direction and such. So if we're using signs as almost like objective criteria of how the world should be made, um, I think that we have to be very careful with that because we can abdicate prudence, we can abdicate all sorts of um, other things that human reason and will can decide. So there's, a, there's two forms of um, let thy will be done, not mine. One is the positive where it's like let thy will be done so that mine might be aligned to yours. Mm. And the other one is let thy will be done so that my will gets forgotten in the middle of it all, as in like I, do, I act as if I don't have a will, mm. you know. Um, one is Christian, the other one is actually technically a bit of a, a church heresy. <laughs> so, um, you know, the, the church loves humanity, and um, that's because Christ loves humanity. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think, um, uh, you know, w with referring to uh, what if I get it wrong, I think Padre Pio's advice to pray, hope, and don't, don't worry, worry. Yeah. comes in mind. And then also, if you're going to pray, why worry? <laughs> and if you're going to worry... Why pray? <laughs> We've got a choice to make, yeah. 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 As I was saying to the students just yesterday in this very busy and full time leading up to Christmas in regards to the future, is if you are not directly planning for something that's coming down the pike, mm -hmm. and, and that's part of the duty of the moment is planning ahead, be organized, be disciplined, and trust the process. So if you're not directly thinking about something and planning it or discerning it, then don't be thinking about it. Focus on the duty of the moment. Because if we're not planning and preparing, then we're probably worrying, <laughs> which doesn't accomplish much. 
Uh, I love the notion, though, of Elijah on the mountain. Mm -hmm. And it calls to mind that expression that God will speak to us as loudly as he must, mm -hmm. but as quietly as he can. Mm. And when it comes to signs, I found in my own life that I, I, I love signs. I'm not an anti-signer mm. in any way. No, I mean, signs have played a pivotal role in my discernment at certain points to keep going. Yep. But I have found yeah. for myself that when I approach signs with the disposition of heart, of I'm looking for signs to strengthen my will, like signposts along the road to say, yes, you're on the way, keep moving. That's good. That encouragement, I actually see far more signs. I'm attuned to far more signs because I'm far more attentive rather than waiting for a sign to actually show me what I'm supposed to do. Uh, that's me asking God to speak, you know, to shout. Hmm. That's looking for the earthquake, the wind, the fire. But we see the, the gentle breeze in that moment by moment by moment encouragement. So it's beautiful to see. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, no, I, I think that that's um, a good summary of the uh, introduction to discernment principles. So this first session. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, pretty much wraps up wh what we would have given the students in the first session. And I think it... And then some. And then some. <laughs> we definitely added more because we tend to be a little verbose in this podcast. Um, but yeah, if, uh, if this interested any of our listeners and such, there's going to be parts two and three released soon after this podcast. Indeed. So um, please stay tuned mm -hmm. uh, to this almost this mini course coming out of St. Therese. This mini three-part series on discernment. And... Um, yeah. Do you have any closing thoughts, Jim? Do not be afraid. <laughs> yeah, this is actually about living the vocation to love in a very, very palpable way. And certainly the presentation that we have of uh, discernment coming from St. Therese is a very Theresian form. There's yes. A, there's a gentleness and a receptivity uh, that's to it. So it may not necessarily have that, all right, A, B, C, and down, down that process, which uh, I think for the masculine spirit can be a little bit more, all right, let's mm -hmm. just get into it. And certainly a lot of Ignatian discernment can be that much more process-oriented. Yep. Um, in the context of St. Therese, uh, there's a, you know, a gentleness. But I think God's always gentle in all of these things. So. Mm -hmm. but, yeah, no, I think it's a, a matter of uh, flavor, emphasis, but not... Uh, maybe I'm just making an excuse for our ornateness. I wouldn't say verbosity, but our or ornateness. Oh, yes, <laughs> our, 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 our decor, decorum, our decor you know. <laughs> Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm okay with that. I'm That's great. Yeah. Find any other way to put it. All right. Well, uh, thank you to everyone uh, tuning in uh, for mm -hmm. this uh, for this podcast. Um, this has been a little wayward, where we do little very well. Mm -hmm.